Welcome to another podcast of The Apologist Bookshelf. Gary Zacharias here. I realized on my shelf I've gone past a book that I should not have gone past because it's so good. It's by Natasha Crane. This one's called Talking With Your Kids About Jesus. Now, she's had other books, uh, Talking With Your Kids About God and Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, and I've, I think I've covered those, but I um, haven't talked about this one, and I should. It's so good. Jeff Myers, who's the president of Summit Ministries, gives it a thumbs up, says it's so sneaky the way Natasha gets me thinking more deeply about my own faith as I learn how to help my kids deepen theirs. So that's a nice comment. Um, how about Jay Warner Wallace and his wife Susie Wallace says, we've recognized the need for a resource that parents could use to become the best Christian case makers their kids will ever know. And uh, they say that Natasha Crane has delivered that resource. Talking with your kids about Jesus will help you engage your kids in conversations that will make a difference for eternity. Frank Turek also gives a thumbs up to it. Alyssa Childers, uh, Mark Middleberg, Harry Morgan, uh, Hillary Morgan, Ferrer, founder of Mama Bear Apologetics, and on and on. So this book has gotten a lot of uh, rave reviews, and I can see why. Basically what it is, it's uh, 30 chapters, and she just calls it 30 conversations every Christian parent must have. So I'm just going to start in with the first uh, chapter. If we have time, we'll do the first two chapters, and then I do want to come back to this. So part one is the identity of Jesus. And she says, uh, chapter one, or the first question is, is Jesus a myth? And she points out that there are an increasing number of people today that think that he was a, a myth. Uh, they claim there's no real reliable evidence that he ever existed. And she says, um, the Washington Post, for example, had an article just in time for Christmas titled, Did Historical Jesus Really Exist? The Evidence Just Doesn't Add Up. Gosh, are you surprised? Oh, man. Every Christmas, every Easter, what do we get? We get mainstream media putting out stuff to try to shake people's faith in Jesus. That's me talking, okay? So that's not Natasha Crane. Um, anyway, but that's not just you know an isolated example. She points out that research says 8% of Americans don't believe Jesus was real. That's higher for millennials. That's 13%. And then this is really, this is unbelievable. In England, 40% of the people don't think he existed. 40%. Almost half the population thinks it's just a myth when you're talking about Jesus. So she says, so, so what kind of evidence can we expect to find? Well, historians, to figure out if a person really existed, they would love to have physical evidence. But you know how that is. Uh, Alexander the Great didn't pose for a photograph. So in many cases, you don't have that kind of evidence. So they look for written references. And here are their... Uh, ideas for what they would like. Sources that should be independent. They don't rely on each other. They should be dated close to the time of the person that they're describing. Written by an author who hopefully doesn't have much bias. And number four has detailed information. So she says uh, there are these uh, mythicists who say there's not enough of those four points uh, to know whether Jesus really existed. But she says, let's take a look. She said, let's evaluate. Let's look at the three most important types of historical evidence that's under scrutiny. And this is where she's going to spend some time in this chapter. Number one, early references to Jesus by non-Christians. And number two, references to Jesus by Paul, the apostle. And number three, references to Jesus by the gospel writers. So she's going to start first, spends a couple of pages 
what kind of early references to Jesus are made by non-Christians? Well, I think that's interesting because mythicists right off say, oh, no, no reliable non-Christian sources from the first century refer to Jesus. So if he was such an important figure, there should be some first century comments about him. She says, that's a poor argument, though. We don't even have many first century writings about the rulers of Roman Palestine where Jesus lived. As an example, she says, Pilate was governor of Judea from 26 to 36 AD. Of course, that's the time of Jesus. Now, he was important, but we don't have a single first century Roman record about him and his rule. But nobody doubts his existence. So she says, all right, if you're going to talk first century and just first century, what do we have regarding Jesus? We have the Jewish historian, Josephus. He actually mentions Jesus twice in his uh, well-known book, The Antiquities of the Jews. So in one passage, <clears throat> excuse me, he describes how Ananus, Ananus, I guess, he was the high priest, unlawfully put to death a man named James. And this is where Josephus comes in. He says, you know, James, quote, the brother of Jesus who was called Christ. And she doesn't point this out, but I just wanted to add here that it's interesting the way Josephus does this. He, he, he doesn't feel it's necessary to add a huge explanation about Jesus as if people would scratch their heads and say, who's this Jesus you're talking about? Instead, he just says, James got put to death by this high priest and just kind of casually mentions this James was the one who's the brother of Jesus, as if a lot of people in his time period, remember this is first century, a lot of people in his time period are going to say, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, uh, the one who etc., etc. So they're going to know something about him. Then there's a second passage that Josephus has. He spends more time talking about Jesus as a wise teacher who did some startling deeds and got condemned and crucified and had followers who thought he rose from the dead. Now, keep in mind, Josephus did not think Jesus was the Messiah, but he at least points out enough that we would say, okay, he must have believed in Jesus's existence. Now, that's nice. Natasha Crane points out that Josephus really is the only non-Christian reference to Jesus's existence in the first century. But if you just push out the search, just 30 years beyond the end of the first century, so 130 AD, something along in there, there are three different Roman writers who mention Jesus. So you're only talking within 100 years of Jesus's death. The most valuable of these three is Cornelius Tacitus. He lived from 56 to 117 AD. He was a Roman historian. He wrote the story of the Roman Empire. And he describes, in one of his books, describes a devastating fire that raged through Rome. We know about that under the Roman Emperor Nero. And most people thought Nero was was responsible for it. And here's what Tacitus wrote. Therefore, to squelch the rumor, Nero created scapegoats and subjected to the most refined tortures those whom the common people called Christians, hated for their abominable crimes. Their name comes from Christ, who during the reign of Tiberius had been executed by the procurator Pontius Pilate. So look what he does. He puts Jesus in history, not just floating out there as a myth. He was in history. He said his execution was the during the reign of Tiberius, that was 14 to 37 A.D., and while Pilate was governor, and that was 26 to 36. So some people say, well, maybe Tacitus was just using hearsay, but he's a reliable historian. So there's little reason to claim that this passage is incorrect or inaccurate. Now, there are a couple of other uh, people that reference him, 
Jesus during this time, but she just focuses on uh, Tacitus, and that's fine. Now, number two, she says there are references to Jesus by the Apostle Paul. Now, he wrote a lot of the New Testament, and his writings are actually the earliest surviving Christian texts. You know, for example, it, by the way, that's kind of funny, isn't it? We open our New Testament. What do we get first? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, and then finally Paul. But if we're doing it chronologically, Paul's first letter is about 50 AD or even sooner. That's within 20 years of Jesus' crucifixion. We should move some of Paul's letters at the beginning of the New Testament, except that doesn't make sense because he'd be referencing Jesus. and We'd say, who's this Jesus? So I, I get it, but it's just kind of interesting. The New Testament is not laid out chronologically. Okay, so Paul's letters are interesting because they are so close to the time of Jesus. And in Paul's writings, uh, people say, well, but he didn't have much biography in there. Right, that Paul should have been talking more about Jesus's life, like his miracles and his teachings, if he'd known about them. It must have been all made up. Maybe it was just a myth. But Crane points out that Paul's writings are letters; they're not biographies. He was trying to address specific needs that churches had, not to give them the details of Jesus's life. But if you actually go into some details, taking a look at Paul's letters, there are lots of references that he makes showing Jesus as a real human, not just some spiritual mythological being. So if you look in Galatians and Romans, what does Paul tell us? Jesus was born of a woman, descended from David according to the flesh. How about Galatians and 1 Corinthians? Jesus had human brothers, and Paul personally met with his brother James. He talks about that in the first chapter of Galatians. Jesus died. Paul says that. That's 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians. By the way, if you want the specific uh, verses, you can let me know, and I'll be glad to get them to you, gary.zacharias at gmail.com. But I'm trying to kind of go through this big big picture rather than getting caught up in the specifics. So he references that Jesus was born of a woman, he had human brothers, that he died, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, Jesus was buried, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus rose after he died, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Philippians. So people say, well, maybe those were added later to make Jesus more historical. It says that's speculation. There, Crane says there's no textual evidence that these passages were not originally part of Paul's writings. They appear in every manuscript copy of his writings that we have. It's not like somebody added this in later. So let's go back again. Remember, there are three ways that she's going to talk about uh, historical references to Jesus, first by non-Christians, second by Paul. And how about references, this will be her third point, references to Jesus by the gospel writers. She says most of what we know about Jesus' life does come from the gospel writers, but these mythicists who think he is a mythological character say the writings are unreliable as historical sources. And she says, I'm not going to go into that here in this book. Uh, I would suggest, by the way, uh, Cold Case Christianity is a good place to go to check out the reliability of the Gospels. That's a book by J. Warner Wallace, and it's just been updated. So um, I'm doing this podcast toward the end of 2023. And, uh, yeah, so I was trying to think when his book's coming. I think it's out in September 2023. So it should be available. Updated version, amazing book, Cold Case Christianity. But she says, you don't even need the Gospels. There's strong historical evidence for Jesus's existence, even without considering them. 
And she says, you know, a skeptic doesn't have to accept the truth of everything in the Gospels to know that they were probably written about somebody who actually existed. And then she's got a quote here from Bart Ehrman, and I love this quotation. Bart Ehrman was a former Christian, he says, and uh, he's an agnostic now. He's a New Testament scholar, sells tons of books, very popular. By the way, you can find his uh, material on uh, YouTube. He does debates with Dan Wallace and others. And he's a very kind person. So he, he's not one of these harsh critics and all. But here's what Ehrman says about Jesus. And it's a longer quote, but it's worth uh, having you hear. We're not dealing with just one gospel that reports what Jesus said and did from sometime near the end of the first century. We have a number of surviving gospels that are either completely independent of one another or independent in a large number of their traditions. These all attest to the existence of Jesus. The vast network of these traditions, numerically significant, widely dispersed, and largely independent of one another, makes it almost certain that whatever one wants to say about Jesus, at the very least, one must say he existed. And so she, as she wraps up her chapter, she says, you know, that Washington Post article about Jesus not existing, she said, that's sensationalism, that's misleading. Virtually all historians and New Testament scholars agree that he existed. We have all these multiple independent sources within just a few decades after his death. All right, so that's her uh, chapter. Now I wanted to tell you what else she does with these chapters. At the end of every chapter, she has two uh, new divisions. One's called Key Points, and the other one's a Conversation Guide. So I just wanted to touch on those briefly. So the Key Points is just what it says. She covers the key points of what the whole chapter is about. So she says, for example, under Key Points, three important types, types of historical evidence that Jesus existed would be the early references by non-Christians, references by Paul, and by the Gospel writers. And she said, we don't have many non-Christian sources from the first hundred years, but we wouldn't expect that. But the few that we do have, like Tacitus and Josephus, are strong evidence. And then she says Paul's writings are letters, not biographies, so we shouldn't expect to hear every part of his life. But there are several passages show he knew Jesus was a real person. She says, finally, a skeptic doesn't need to accept the truth of everything in the Gospels to acknowledge they must have been written about somebody who actually existed. And then the end of the chapter, and this is the part I like a lot. Remember, this whole book is supposed to be 30 conversations every Christian parent has to have. So, so far, this is not a conversation. This is just the information. But then she ends it, every chapter, with a conversation guide. So I just wanted to give you an example of this. So she says in this chapter, you could ask this kind of question. If you're a historian who wanted to confirm that George Washington existed, what kind of evidence would you look for? And then she has a section called Advancing the Conversation. Okay, now think about the kinds of evidence you'd look for if you wanted to confirm that Jesus existed. What would you hope to find? Here's another item under Advancing the Conversation. Some people think there isn't enough evidence to think he existed because we don't have that many early writings from non-Christians. Would you expect them to be to there for there to be a lot of early non-Christian writings about Jesus? And then she has another question. There are also people who think Apostle Paul believed Jesus was just a spiritual being and didn't exist. But look what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, and Galatians 1, 19, and Galatians 4, 4. Look at these sample verses. What do they tell us that Paul believed about Jesus? How about this one? Do you think someone who doesn't believe all that the Gospels tell us about Jesus 
should also think Jesus didn't exist. And that's where that Bart Ehrman quote comes in. And then the last section here she, she calls Apply the Conversation. And she says in an online article titled Five Reasons to Suspect that Jesus Never Existed, the author's first two points are, number one, no first century secular evidence whatsoever exists to support the actuality of Jesus. Number two, the earliest New Testament writers, Paul, seem ignorant of the details of Jesus' life. She says, how would you respond based on what you learned in this chapter? Well, you already learned it. You can toss those two uh, complaints out. So that's her book. Again, it's called Talking With Your Kids About Jesus. I highly recommend anything Natasha Crane puts out. It's C-R-A-I-N if you want to look her up. Uh, she's got a great podcast, and you just find her all over the place now. People love the material that she's putting out. Well, thanks, and we'll tackle uh, another book later.